Syria fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani. I'm Chris with Tad. We got Marco in St. Louis for work this week. So we have a special guest panelist, Sam Eastwood. We here at Curve America know Sam as a Roma Club DC member and a diehard Romanista. You can catch him outside Curve America as a contributor to Chiesa di Toti. Sam, how are you doing, man? Ciao a tutti. G'day. Yeah, there we go. Sam, well, obviously, what, what is that accent? Jersey? <sighs> Look, depends what racial stereotype we're permeating this <laughs> evening. Well, hey, Sam, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? My name's Samuel. Uh, I'm six foot two. I have wavy, dark hair. And I used to go on long walks at the beach before I made the United States my home. Did you write all this down as preparation? No, mate, no. Okay. This is what I tell every show. <laughs> he's, he's, invited he's, on. he's reading his forearm tattoo. <laughs> Cool, man. Well, how'd you find Roma and uh, Serie A being from Australia? Well, so to be a football or sorry, soccer fan in Australia, uh, you basically need to have a form of narcolepsy and you've got to be a different form of obsessed because most of the matches happen after 11 p.m., and the best ones usually go down 2 a.m. or 4 a.m. So there there was a um, there's a big Italian population in Australia. And uh, some of my mates that I played indoor soccer with invited me to watch a Euro game, I think it was. It was Italy versus Sweden. And it was actually Zlatan Ibrahimovic's first game for Sweden. And I went to this match. It was on at 2 a.m. at this small cafe in my hometown of Brisbane. And it was absolutely packed. There was about 80 people. And it was absolutely rocking. And Italy lost, which wasn't great. But I was converted then and there. Zlatan so, does not lose to Italy. Yeah, he, you should look it up on YouTube. His goal was some sort of freakish back heel where he actually contorts his knee and ankle in unnatural positions. But yeah, it was just classic Zlatan. We here at Curve are praying that the Zlatan makes an appearance for Napoli in uh, next season. Wow. In the cards, yeah. Really? A podcaster's dream. <laughs> A podcaster's dream. <laughs> All right. Well, well welcome, welcome, Sam. Hey, Squeegee hey. Jenks. Right. Welcome, Sam. Glad to have you. Um, we got a lot to talk about, a lot of pop culture events going on this week. We got to start with the Oscars Steve Harvey moment. Uh, calling the wrong best picture out at the Oscars, guys. What'd you guys think of that? I thought that maybe um, Juventus probably had something to do with this. They, <laughs> they fixed it. Yeah, look, I, I just wish there could be more winners. So, and I like, you know, I, I for one admire their efforts to have two winners on the night. That's right. Certainly got everybody talking, just like the Steve Harvey moment a few years ago. Uh, any way to relate this to Syria? <laughs> well, I saw two Oscar-worthy things in the news this week. One, Cassano. So the, the, the Cassano story continues. I thought he was done, out of league, retired, but apparently he's been playing with the Sampdoria Primavera training with them ever even though he's off the first team off the website yeah off the <laughs> website and they called him in um the the, the three uh like directors and told that they banned him from practicing with the uh, with the primavera and he called it this oscar oscar worthy uh performance they put on throwing him out 
and uh, that it's Italian too. So he says it was also done with the absence of balls. So I thought that was pretty hilarious. And he brought up the Oscars, and I get to talk about Cassano anytime you get to talk about Cassano and balls. And and well, usually Cassano's balls. Usually, yeah, usually yeah. those two things are going hand yeah. in hand. Um, and then Bedell, I mean, his hairnet has to have won best makeup at the Oscars. Uh, the the game against Mountain Golden Blach. Borussia Mönchengladbach. We need it on Australian to say it. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it sounds about as easy to pronounce as the. Sounds. It's about as easy to say as the guy who's from House of Cards that won the Best Supporting Actor. His first name, Makarisha Rasha. So Mönchengladbach. Anyways, so he comes out in this game and he's got this big hairnet on. And like Sam, being not from the United States, was like, "Yeah, it's totally normal. That's how you keep a cut on your head." And to us, he looks like you know he looks like Sloppy Joe Lunch Lady. Yeah, it definitely looks like a hairnet or something. Uh, we'll have to tweet that out. Uh, so the Oscars, yes. The drama unfolds on the stage. Uh, back to soccer news specifically, guys. A lot of stadium talk this week, both here in the States and also in the Bell, the Bell Paez that we're going to talk to about Famos de Stadio got made. But first, here locally, DC United breaking ground on their new stadium. Wanted to talk about the comparison. So... That we've been talking about in the country for, I don't know, f- at least five, six, seven years about how awful RFK is and how DC United really needs a new stadium. Famoso Stadio, Stadio della Roma, took about, I don't know, three or four years to get done. What do you guys think? Uh, did uh, um, Jimmy Pelota pull off a miracle here and uh, get something built in Rome? Uh, or is this just par for the course with, uh, hey, you want a new stadium? It's going to take a few years. Well, Chris, until I see that grandstand <laughs> actually have spectators in it and a workable football pitch, I'm not going to get too excited. Um, it's it's a 50-50 situation. I think Jimmy's heart's in the right place. His wallet absolutely is in order to make the AS Roma brand the uh, the great monolith that he wants it to be. They need a new stadium. That That's obvious to anyone. But what is also unfortunate about the situation is that you have to deal with Italian bureaucracy and a rotating government. And it just so happens that the, cover, the current uh, political scene in Rome is dominated by the five-star or cinque stelle parte, and they do not want to play ball. Or they don't right. want to play ball easy. That's what happens when you have a comedian running your political party. Pepe Grillo. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting the comparison between these two because you'd think, like, you know, in the States, we, we kind of poo-poo on uh, Italy for having that kind of corruption and that bureaucracy and whatnot. But there was all sorts of talk around town that, you know, for the past three or four years that this big new state-of-the-art stadium is coming to D.C., but, you know, it, it, there's some backdoor deals being made, some, some greasing of wheels. So I don't think – I think anywhere you go, if there's a huge construction project that is done for an inter, for an entertainment venue – Everyone's going to go in there and try and milk as much money as they can because they know that it's going to be a huge revenue generating thing. So I agree with Sam. I'll see it. I'll believe it when I see it. When the when the Stadio della Roma goes up, or if it, you know they just decide to, you know, put up a couple of bleachers just outside the city so we don't have to share the uh, the stadium with OTFR anymore. But yeah, I mean they've gone back and so forth on this thing so many times. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you guys that it takes a, a miracle to build anything. But I mean. Rome, I mean, you want to put up a sign, it's like, nope, you know, Julius Caesar definitely took a step there, so mm-hmm. we can't have anything built on that. So just congrats to Roma, uh, being Romanisti here. Uh, you know, we're super excited uh, that it will eventually get built. 
but just the fact that it's moving forward in Rome, notorious for not building anything, uh, I think it's something to celebrate. I also think it's cool. Um, I, we tweeted out something, uh, Cagliari, my, one of my favorite words on the podcast. Uh, they're also looking to build a stadium too, uh, more, more smaller, which I think is appropriate for a smaller club. Uh, we were talking before, Udinese's got one. Uh, both Milan and Inter have, have a fairly new stadium. Sassuolo, if they stay up in Syria, and then uh, who am I missing? Juve. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jay. Yeah. So I, I think it's good for the league if Roma seriously wants to get up uh, and compete. Um, I think this uh, this is a good move, and and congrats, congratulations are deserved. Well, Calgary is an interesting one too because they have a crappy stadium, but they're on an island. So when their stadium doesn't meet code or for whatever reason they have to go play their games on the mainland, and for like eight years they're playing at Trieste. Which is like an eight-hour yeah. flight. <laughs> from, right. I mean, like they might as well just played it, you know, in, in Washington D.C. So, uh, hopefully, they get one as well because uh, Sardinia, great place, and the island people there deserve a, a pretty stadium to go along with their amazing island to attract epic players. Yep, like Boriello. <laughs> we'll get to him. So yeah, there we have it. a lot of stadium talk. Super excited. Um, a little bit of sad news for uh, any of the uh, Italian lovers out there. Some sad news of an Italian losing his job in England. Claudio Ranieri sacked nine months after winning the EPL. Uh, the Italian leading the league, Conti, and we got another uh, Italian at the other end uh, with Ranieri. Guys, what do you think about this? Uh, should have uh, Ranieri been sacked here? Look, uh, it's quite simple. Um, would you punish a doctor for failing to cure AIDS after he discovered the cure for cancer? That's interesting. That's a tough one. <laughs> I, I totally read that on the internet. That was a tweet I read. But, okay. uh, it, That's a deep, deep look, thought there. Look, <laughs> what Ranieri did... Jack Handy's on the podcast? <laughs> it, what Ranieri did with Lester has not done, been done before. Uh, who the hell had heard of Leicester City Foxes prior to last year. True. Unless you were an avid EPL follower. Now, to get rid of the man who actually provided that to you, for you less than one year later, like in such a manner, in a player revolt, and then to let his assistant take over, they haven't even brought in like some big name when, yeah, there's a chance you might go down, but guess what? Leicester City yo-yo team anyway. I mean, it's... It's incredible. It's absolutely yeah. absurd. This club has seen more money come through its coffers because of Claudio Ranieri than it's ever seen before, and they're just ditching him cold. It's yeah, it's no good for me. It's 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 tough to tough to swallow too because you know nobody expected, like you said, Leicester City to do as well as they did last year. So it's not like they retained their same core team that they had. I mean, they they have kept on a Jamie Vardy because Jamie Vardy is you know face a kind of an aging striker um, in the Premier League. But also another thing you got to look at too with, uh, with with this situation. Yeah, they're down two to one on an aggregate in the Champions League, but they're still in that tournament. There's oh, still yeah. a possibility that they could advance. So I mean, even if you got relegated, but you made it to a, a quarterfinals or heaven forbid a semifinals, or you know, hey man, might as well go ahead and believe they can win the whole thing. Yeah. Because what was it, five thousand to one last year, and everybody, everybody was waiting for the other shoe to drop on that team that they were going to fold at the end and maybe they get a Champions League spot, which would have been amazing for them. And Claudio right. Ranieri should have kept his job for a year after that anyways. But get it, go ahead and, you know, for that team to stay together and pull out the title, that is the coach. 
And so you, you just you got to keep them. It's so ungrateful. Currently in 15th place in the EPL with 24. Looks like they are just two points above Crystal. Uh, Crystal Palace with 22. Yeah, well, they, they, they did drill Liverpool. Yeah, they just beat Liverpool. So it's just funny to look at the leagues, how different that is from Serie A. Um, but yeah. Um, the only thing I would, I would say that could save it is because they think that they're going to get Mancini. And I think that's a so huge if. They, they would be going from the most popular Italian coach in the world to the least popular Italian coach. <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, maybe we'll see. Uh, uh, just real quick, one, one answer. Claudio Ranieri, if he found a job in Serie A, where would you send him? You got to want him back for Tony, Chris. Well, that goes without saying. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon he could start the revolution at Palermo. Yeah. Palermo. Mm-hmm. All right. New owners, mm-hmm. new coach. I mean, yeah. come on. Claudio Ranieri has coached at Cagliari, Napoli, Fiorentina, Valencia, uh, Atletico Madrid, Chelsea, um, Parma, Juventus, Roma, Inter. I mean, he's he's been all over. So just pick a team he hasn't been to and let's just let's just bring this man back to the league. All right. My favorite part about him, he brought Andrea Bocelli to oh, yes. Leicester City. Yes. Most Italian thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so we saw a lot of that on social media. We might as well plug our own social media. Curve America has a Twitter handle, Facebook, Instagram, Fabio at CurveAmerica.com. AS Roma 360 is another uh, uh, website where you can find us on. Um, I'd just like to slide in here real second, Chris. This um, is new. Yeah, I'd like... To everyone out there, Curve Americans that are listening to this, to go ahead and rate and comment on iTunes. That's how we get found. Thank you. That's that's all I had to say. All right. Thank you, Tad. <laughs> Please, uh, yeah, echoing on Tad there. Questions, comments are thoroughly appreciated. Uh, we saw we got a lot of uh, interaction this past weekend. Uh, please keep it up. Uh, we appreciate all the thoughts and comments. All right. Let's settle in, guys, and talk about Week 25 and the Serie A and what went down. But first, what are you guys drinking this week? Well, I got two separate things here. This past Friday, Saturday, this is Saturday, I got as a housewarming present a soda stream. Nice. So I'm now manufacturing my own frizzante because I think I was spending a small fortune yeah. buying frizzante downstairs at a euro a pop or a dollar a pop, excuse me. <laughs> what shop were you buying that? Tad, Tad's getting ready for Rome here. He's already spending his euros. And the other thing is I went to Costco and uh, they had, like, good beer there. So I got this, what what I basically am most days of my life, a, a brewery called Clown Shoes, um, Space Cake, <laughs> India Pale Ale. And this stuff is brewed in Ipswich, Massachusetts. So oh. to all the clown shoes up, in, up in, in Massachusetts. That is the most India Pale Ale name I've heard this month. <laughs> There's actually an Ipswich next to Brisbane. In Australia. Right. So hello to anyone unfortunate enough to live in Ipswich. Oh. <laughs> All right, guys. Very good. So let's uh, what, settle what, in. What are you drinking? Oh, right. I forgot. So I'm uh, going back to the fine hills of uh, Mendoza, Argentina, uh, I think. Mendoza! Uh, Elsa, Elsa Bianchi. So clearly some Italian uh, Argentinian immigrants drinking that wine. It's still good after last week. Cheers to them. All right, so everyone settle in. Let's start week 25 with the rundown. Zamparini grants my wish and calls it quits in Palermo. Not a bad thing. Uh, More on that later. Juve making it a million wins in a row at home. No surprise there. Roma make a case for being the most informed team in Italy. Forza Romanisti. 
Uh, Napoli slip and give Atalanta another statement win, and Belotti makes a three-way tie for Capo Cononieri with a brace that puts Souza back on the scalding hot seat. Let's take it away, guys, to the top five. Right. Of course, we start with Juve, and they play lowly Empoli this week with a fa- final score of 2-0, and the old lady surprised absolutely no one with a clinical 2-0 win at home over a struggling Empoli. What do you got, Marco? Oh, no, never mind. We have Sam. Yes, yeah, Sam. Up, show us what you got, man. Hey, it's me, Marco. <laughs> yeah, look, guys, uh, poor old Empoli resembled an overmatched UFC fighter curled on the ground as Juve just rained punches on them. Uh, Empoli managed to keep a clean sheet in the first half. However, Higuain still had a few chances that he could only scuff in, but the, uh, the small guys from Verona just didn't offer anything in attack. And in the 52nd minute, it was only a matter of time before the levy would break. Skorupski got a, got a hand to a very powerful Manzukic header, which went onto the crossbar. And then the goalkeeper fell over onto his backside just in time for the ball to topple onto his midriff and over the line for an <laughs> OG. That's the, the rare Skorupski gaff. Yeah. And even uh, this one it, was like... It, it was, was a good gaff. Yeah, like, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, like he sold out for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard midriff and all I thought was Higuain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't have much of a game in this one. No. Yeah, yeah, he did he, have a he, turtleneck on. You tweeted that out, right? Yeah, somebody who loves him needs to tell him that that turtleneck is just, it's, it's got to go. It's cramping his style. <laughs> unless, unless he's playing the, you know, the, the, the soccer star in Blossom that dates, uh, uh, dates Blossom for an episode. But yeah, he was, he was, he was pretty poor this game. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, Juventus just happened to have like 20 other awesome players, one of which was Alexandro, um, starting one of his few games. And uh, he doubled the lead 10 minutes after the first goal to put the match to bed, essentially. He managed to nutmeg a defender and beat Skorupski at his far post. And then after that, you yeah, know, that was basically all yeah. I paid attention yeah, doesn't to. score goals in the Serie yeah. A. <laughs> it's, it's just not something they like. Yeah, Alexandro and Danny Alves. Danny Alves coming straight off that row with Barcelona where he's talking all sorts of trash about his old team, say they had no idea how to, uh, to uh, treat a player. Both them at the at the fullback, the end fullback positions were absolutely excellent this game. Yeah. Uh, one point I would add to the fullbacks is that Banucci was next to them. So he's obviously resolved his tiff with Max Allegri and is uh, back in the playing books, if not the good books. But what do you guys reckon he's going to hang around next year? I mean, there are Chelsea's already talking about ponying up close to 60 mil for him. Yeah. I mean, I think there's just a lot going on in this situation right here because Allegri supposedly told people, and I know, it's what what month is it's just the beginning of March now and we're already going into summer transfer rumors. But I mean Allegri supposedly telling his friends that he's leaving for Arsenal at the end of this year, you know, greater, greater greater and greater um speculation that Arsene Wenger's out at Arsenal at the end of this year. So I think it, it's gonna end up a lot on how they finish the season and um, what the other one does because Benucci's the type of player I could see just being at Juventus forever and they've got it pretty much made in the shade for the next few years. So I guess we'll see. All right. Okay, so we got Juve up top all the way with 
66 points. Roma's right behind him. And we got Lowly Empoli down there in 17th place with 22 points. Keeping it rolling, guys. We've got up next our team, Roma. They're playing Inter in the game of the week with a 3-1 win for Roma. And the story here, I don't even have to read what's on the page. Rajan Angolan, just a stud. Not only in Italy this week, but I'd say he, he all his highlights made Europe. Yeah, I, I bought his Belgium jersey while watching this game. I bought his neck tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Old stripper neck. Yeah, yeah I mean, th- this... This had all the implications of a big Serie A match. Um, you know, it was a sellout game. There's tons of Tifosi. The new Chinese owners were sitting in a group in the stands with Inter scarves on. You know, the, the exact type of atmosphere you want for a big Serie A clash. Um, you know, Napoli went down the night before. Roma are looking their extender lead in second. But at the same time, Inter's looking to gain ground and make Champions League. And guys, Inter has been dominant at home. They've won 10 out of the last 11. Their only loss was the Derby d'Italia to Juventus at home, which ain't no shame in that game. Inter are all over them from the the opening whistle, working almost entirely in Inter's side of the field. And Ninja opens up scoring in the 13th minute. He creates a small amount of space off Gagliardini, who I'll talk about a little bit later. It's just been an absolute revelation for Inter. And boom, curls it up for 90. Everyone goes nuts. I'm ripping my shirt off. It was fantastic. I mean, the highlight honestly doesn't do it justice because it's just one fluid motion of a little kick, curl it around, and just doesn't touch anything but the net. And right in Gagliardini's face, who's been you know Inter's best defensive midfielder, you know they've had in a year. Um, but in a, you know Inter, they turn it up right after that. They turn it up like this is how we do it. By Montel Jordan just came on the radio. Um, <laughs> But Ninja, again, just completely takes wind out of their sails. Uh, you know, there's a clearance. He beats Condovia. They takes the ball the length of the field. Two years ago, last year, you're like, Ninja, don't shoot it. Ninja, don't shoot it. That's going to end up in the stands. It's going to hit some kid holding the corn dog. But he just blasts it. Absolute rocket shot. My favorite part about it is the ball wasn't even placed that well. It was hit just so hard that the handyman, Handanovic, had absolutely no chance. I've been trying to see it. What did you think? Toe poke or was this like a legit? No, right, laces. Right yeah, laces. Yeah. laces. Yeah. Put his foot right through it. Yeah. Struck like a player's in total form. And guys, Nangolin has nine goals this season. Yeah. For, for uh, I mean, they've been putting him at winger a little bit. Spalletti, I guess, has been kind of creative with his formations. But, like, he's a midfielder. Man. Look, I, you got to put this one down to Spalletti. He's... From the beginning, he's decided that Raja is going to be his focal point, that he's going to play him closer to the goal, make him more dangerous, and he's given him license to basically attack how he wants. And so he's not doing the dirty work that you have Daniele De Rossi or Paredes having to do to track back. And because of that, I, I think we've seen him unleash these, these rockets. It's, it's great for the team. Icardi managed to pull one back in the 81st minute. Guys, sorry, in the 82nd minute, you guys, what are you thinking? Like Roma, 2-1 in the 80th minute, 83rd minute is, is Icardi. You know, is, are they going to blow this one? You have to as a Roma fan. You have to think that way. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't stop, you know, swearing at Mauro Icardi <laughs> on the television. <laughs> but Checo gets taken down the box a few minutes later, and Perotti does Chris's favorite move, the at the slowest like of slow walk-ups. It's almost like he did a front-facing moonwalk up to this ball. Like, <laughs> just the whole time, I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I think I think he pointed at you in the stands. Yeah. After. He just looked at just a TV the, and goes, Chris Ross. That's right. <laughs> right there. And boom, later's enter, 3-1, 
big Roma win on the road. For for Inter for this game, I think that you know Icardi getting a goal is big. Guy Radini was the best player again on the pitch for Inter. Um, I mean, that's maybe his fourth game in a row where he's been man of the match for them. Since moving over from Atalanta, guys, he's averaging 3.7 tackles a game, 2.7 interceptions. In this game, he had four tackles, two dribbles, three interceptions. So, I mean, Inter, they got a base to build around, but they're they're just not there yet. So, guys, with Roma, this big away game, my question to you is, is Roma the most informed team in the Serie A right now? I think we've taken the helm from uh, Napoli because I was expecting much bigger things uh, from them uh, in the uh, Real Madrid game and uh, didn't pan out. They, they kind of, in my opinion, crapped the bed a little bit in that game. So I got to think, if you're looking to play a Serie A team, Roma's, Roma's a threat right now. We are on all cylinders, which is great. Yeah, another point I'd raise is uh, the previous week, when Roma dispatched Villarreal. Now, yeah, Villarreal came back 1-1-0 at the Olympico. And they just that, got hosed by a Real Madrid game this past week. Right, but they were beating Real Madrid 2-0 for most of that match. So, you know, where Roma's at at the moment, it's it's a good spot. It's nothing to sneeze at. But for me, I can't go past the intimidation factor of Juventus. They never look like losing. Whereas even Roma at their best... I think, how is that ball actually going to go in the net? Who, who is actually going to put that ball in the net? <laughs> I will say this. I'll say that Roma has the most informed midfield in the Serie A right oh, now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, where this is a little bit lacking with um, with uh, uh, the with Juventus right now. I mean, their, their, uh, their four-pronged trident they're running right now with their formation is great. Um, you know, they, they, they their midfield can't quite get together, but I think... Strutman, DeRossi, uh, Nangolan, and then shifting in Paredes in there. Um, I think that that's a midfield that nobody wants to play. All right. And on the other side, uh, I think you got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Pioli taking the reins uh, from DeBoer uh, and doing pretty good here with, uh, what do you got, Inter in... We got Inter in sixth place with 48 points, and we got Roma up there with 59 in second. Uh, but yeah, with Inter, um, you know, I keep saying from the beginning of the season, they looked awful. It really looked like they were in trouble. Pioli done done a good job here. Sure, but I think he still had issues against playing Roma. When he was coach of OTFR, come Derby Day, he just fell apart. And his team was looking good before that. And I really do think this was Inter's first big test as an informed club previously. They were sort of unlucky against Juventus, but here there's no doubt who should have won this game. They were definitely second best on their own field, and I think the coach has a lot to answer for because they just didn't look organized in attack. Yeah, I love playing Pioli. Yeah, we should play him every week. (laughs) All right, guys, let's jump to the third place game. We got Napoli playing Atalanta. This one finishes 2-0. Atalanta takes it to Napoli for the second time this year. Two point two goals from Caldara, guys. What did you guys think of this game? I mean, this game was unreal. Uh, a second victory over Napoli, this time in Naples. Now, granted, Napoli they did lose against Real Madrid, but again, that's you know that's nothing to, to be overly concerned about. To go into Naples, win this game two zero, not only that, go down a man. And have he a ten men side to score a goal against against Napoli? Just and that man crazy. was Frank Kessie. Yeah, it's yeah. arguably Marco's best player. Yeah. yeah, 
Marco's man. Yeah, my man, Frank Kessie. Yeah, and Frank Kessie, you know, who scored jumped all over him, and the press jumped all over him from getting that second yellow, but he was bossing. And one thing about Frank Kessie is he's 20 years old, and why he has so much interest from big clubs around the world is because he is strong. He is super hard to dispossess. He runs through like a freight train. And yeah, doesn't get out of the way of Insignia, and the second yellow goes down, gets two yellow cards within five minutes of each other. Ten men, Atalanta. I don't know, man. Caldara was a standout for me. I mean, that second goal, the volley, for a, de- a defender to be running through in that position when you're 10 men down and then to have the cojones to actually put it on target past Pepe Reina. I mean, my hat's off to him. I just wish he wasn't going to Juventus. Do you think, yeah, do you think Juventus is going to wait to 2018 to pick him, pick up his option? <laughs> I think I think he was on the next train of Turin after this. Already talking about the summer transfer market. Guys, this was a statement game, not just for Atalanta, who now have very real Champions League hopes, but also, it's a statement for Napoli. When the pressure is on, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. Like, this is, this is go time. This is the time of the year. If you're going to be a title chance, you need to be winning now. What you don't need to be doing is losing at home to 10-man Atalanta. Yeah, I mean, you look at this game. 28 shots in Napoli's favor. 66-34 to 34 possession, guys. That's Barcelona stats. Um, how does Napoli lose this game? I, I at home too. I mean, and they're in the run. I, I really it just shows you how much soccer is just a game of momentum. I was building them up so much before the Real Madrid game, and here they do this. I don't know how they lose this game, honestly. They're in they're in the hunt for the title. I got a theory. Napoli are this year's Roma. <laughs> they have someone has transplanted Roma's personality. And put it. At Who the are we level. That's the next question. I, uh, well, uh, <laughs> I mean, Mertens. Leicester City. <laughs> <laughs> Mertens did miss a couple of chances here, but uh, you know, which usually when Mertens is hot, he could take over this game by himself. And that's the thing about what makes Napoli so dangerous is they have the standout players. But I mean, come on, Hamsik, Hamsik nowhere to be found. I think you got to put a little bit of this one on sorry. Um, you know, the, the formation he puts out there, like Jorginho never plays, you know, Koulibaly hardly ever plays, um, you know, Milik gets on late, Pavoletti gets on late, but it, it's too little, it's, it's too, too short, too little. It's what? It's too little, too late. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's a little, uns- sorry. I think he put out kind of a, a kind of a, a bad first 11 here. Well, he's got to rest players, right? I mean, they played Coppa Italia tonight. Uh, they've got the second leg against Real Madrid coming up. They got Roma this weekend. I mean, Napoli are not Juventus. That That's what we've seen. Second string Napoli do not possess the same level of intimidation and their team isn't as coherent. So, yeah, like it, even on that awesome run of form, it was their first stringers. Like like you said, Dries mm-hmm. Mertens getting it done. But, yeah, it's just, uh, it, you know, for Napoli fans, it's, it's disappointing that, yeah, it's come to crunch time and, yeah, the seams are just coming off. So we're talking about this crazy streak of games for Napoli. What's your guys' predictions, Napoli versus Roma? I, if if soccer is a game of momentum, I'm giving it all to Roma this time. Something like a big win. I'm going to say something like three nothing, three nothing Roma. Oh, geez, I wish you didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, oh, I, I just it feels wrong to say Roma's going into a big game as the favorite. It just it just doesn't spoken like a true Romanista. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not going to answer this question. 
Yeah, well, it's the same thing for Roma. I mean, they played Inter last week. They had Villarreal the week before. They have OTFR in the midweek, and then they got to play Napoli. They have a cushion on Napoli, believe it or not. So they should go for it on the uh, in the midweek game against OTFR, obviously. But I think I think Roma pulls us out. I think Jacko has a big game. I think they win two zero. All right, all right. You heard it here first. So there we go. We've got the third and fourth place teams there. Uh, we've got Napoli with 54 points, and Atalanta with that win comes in within three points of third place, the Cinderella of 2016-2017. Well done, Atalanta. They're in fourth place. All right, rounding out the top five, we've got OTFR and Udinese. OTFR pulling this one out one nothing in a lackluster game. Immobile finds a way to get Team Voldemort, OTFR, three points. Tad, you got this one. Yeah, I mean, this game was kind of painful to watch. OTFR is a type of team that will come out and uh, have a 1-0 victory against a team that's absolute trash like Udinese. I mean, I don't know how OTFR came out so flat. It, it must just be an amazing feeling to come out you know, to a raucous crowd of 15,000 people when your stadium holds 80,000 people. Makes it, look, <laughs> makes, it, makes it look like there's more people in the restaurant across o- the street. OTFR should do what Udinese do at their stadium, and they should have different color seats. Different color so seats, yeah, yeah. does the optical illusion on TV. Which, speaking of which, Stadio Friuli is in the running for best stadium in Europe this year. Which really? I, I oh. don't see that, but apparently it's the only... <laughs> Only Serie A stadium that's in the running for that. It's known throughout Europe that there are cheap cigarettes in Udine, so I think <laughs> that I think that might might be the case. Um, you know, Udinese was able to get some shots on goal in this game. They actually won that category, thirteen to eight. But none of these chances were well struck balls. A couple really anemic chances by our friend HDCT. And in the seventy third minute, Immobile receives a lob on the ball in traffic. When, when the ball is played to his feet, Danilo steps in between him and the ball. And Immobile blows up, lobbies for a, for a penalty, and gets it. I had absolutely no, no idea what the call was here watching this game. Um, it seemed just like a good defensive play. Immobile goes crazy. They're like, eh, okay. You know, <laughs> I, I'm a hometown ref. And then Immobile does what Immobile does. He blasts it home. Um, the defense was really a story of OTFR for this game. They were able to keep Udinese off balance. Now I think the three of us could play back line. Um, in the Serie A and be able to manage to keep Udinese off balance 50% of the games. You know, another shots were, real, were a real threat. But Immobile scores his 14th of the season, third in his last four. However, only one in his last six. Uh, sorry, it's his third goal in his last four. Only one of his last six goals, however, came against a team in the top half of the league. And that was a goal he had against Atalanta. This is coming off a seven-game goal streak. So, He's scoring against Crotone. He's scoring against Udinese. He's scoring against Pescara. You know, with 14 goals, where would you rate Immobile in the ranks of Serie A strikers? I'd put him right up there. Uh, I think as a player, he has all the qualities you want out of number one striker. I think he's got a good claim for a starting spot with the Azzurri lineup, actually. But, uh, yeah, as for your statistics, I mean, you can only play the teams they put in front of you. Um, He's still young. He's still got time, but like the experience that he's had, actually, I read a fascinating article about him uh, this week where he was saying um, his best experience was under Zednik Zeman at Pescara in Serie B when he played, uh, who did he play alongside with? Uh, Insigne. Yeah, he had Insigne in the team. That was, 
Verratti, Marco yeah, Verratti. Yeah, Marco yeah, Verratti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only the best Italian player in the world. Uh, yeah. They're not named Gigi Donnarumma. So, yeah, honestly, I think uh, he's doing a fantastic job in the team he's in. You put him in a team with talent behind him. Like, you put him in Roma, you in Eden Dzeko's role with getting the passes that Eden Dzeko's getting. I think you see his scores go up. Same in a team like Inter Milan. I mean, I think this boy's going places. They're going to struggle to keep him. Yeah, I think top quality uh, striker as well. He's got 14 in the Capo Canonieri race, uh, only five goals away from uh, the three. The three. The Holy uh, Triumvirate at yes, this point, the, yeah. The three race with Iguain, Checo, and Belotti up top with 19. So a uh, good striker for sure. Uh, all right, guys. I think that's it for our top five. Let's take a quick break and then go to the middle of the pack. This week's episode of Curve America is brought to you by Sumner Furniture. Sumner Furniture are office furniture experts based in the Washington, D.C. metro area. They provide high-quality new and used office furniture for all-size jobs, ranging from just one chair to million square foot offices. Sumner provides space designs, commercial moves, delivery and installation for projects nationwide. Check out their website, SumnerFurniture.com, or their eBay store. Contact them and mention Curve America for an additional 10% off any new or used office chair. All right, guys, starting off the middle of the pack, we got Milan and Sassuolo. This one finishes 1-0 in Milan's favor. Baca getting back on the score sheet to keep Milan within one point of Europe and hated rivals Inter. Tad, what do you got? This game's played at my my pay. Um, Again, one of the stadiums is actually owned by the team. Um, And it seemed like Sassuolo from, uh, from the outset because Duncan... Dribbles into the box and gets his legs kicked out from under him. Gets a penalty. Just sets up a good old Calcio di Rigore for our man, Domenico Berardi, who we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting to get back into form after the great season he had last year and the great start to this season. Well, guess what? Pulls it wide left. Doesn't even get it anywhere near the goal. <laughs> yeah, this one was worse than Dzeko's. Yeah. That's saying something. <laughs> And then in the 23rd minute, uh, Bertolacci gets himself in traffic in the box. He does the old Italian striker or midfielder in the box thing. He feels a defender behind him and then just takes a dive, sets up a PK for Baca. And Baca, I mean, who must be so sick of all the rumors about his future, he won't even allow himself to be even seen in a Chinese restaurant, um, scores the PK like a true striker. And that's the story of this game. The only real positives for... Uh, well, there are positives for Sassuolo to take away from this. Berardi does miss a PK like a total joke. Um, but he had five shots and was pretty much dangerous all game. Not a great performance, but promising for a player trying to get back into shape. And Sassuolo, for the first time in it seems like a million years, were able to use their preferred trident of Politano, Defrel, and Berardi. Yeah, I mean, call me the optimist, but... I. I saw some really good signs from Sassuolo. I mean, they, they looked more comfortable. They looked in the same sort of groove they had last year. Um, it was a really entertaining game. A lot of back and forth. I mean, you had two good, young, mainly Italian sides playing. And, and uh, Milan were better on the day. But, you know, Sassuolo, 
there's some glimmers of hope. I think midway through the season, we're all shaking our head going, oh, how could it all go so wrong? But it just goes to show players yeah, like Barati. They had so tons important. of injuries, yeah. yeah. Well, I, this is an ongoing thing we have on the podcast. Love to hear your opinion, Sam. What is your opinion of DeFrancesco? Sabio! Uh, look, I love him. I think he's, uh, I think he's legit. Um, the, the results he had this year haven't been great, but he just hasn't had the lineup that he can, you know, put there week in, week out. He hasn't had the consistency with players. And when you're missing two of arguably the best, you know, the best front attacking players in the league, then yeah, it's going to, it's going to dull your attack. But um, I think his stock has fallen. I don't think you'll see the big teams hammering for his name like you did at the end of last season. So let's tie it together with the beginning of the pod. You've got Leicester City's former coach, Claudio Ranieri, available. And you got up and coming coach Eusebio Di Francesco. Do you make a switch if you're Sassuolo right now? It's tough to say because should you or would you are kind of two different things in soccer. You know, sometimes people just feel they need to change that maybe Di Francesco hasn't done enough with his team because he still has had Pellegrini for the whole season. But again, these guys are all young players. Politano's been hurt, DeFrel has been hurt. I mean, Berardi, who was the, you know, the engine that made the whole thing go last year, was hurt. I would say this. I would be happy to see DeFrancesco De take over at Roma one day. So um, I would stick with him in this particular case. Do you think DeFrancesco will stay if both Berardi and Pellegrini go at the end of the year? Because I know Roma are keen on Pellegrini. Yeah, I mean, I hope Roma gets Pellegrini. DeFrancesco will stay with unless he has a better option, but I could see... You know, I could see a team maybe in Spain trying to pick him up. Yeah. Um, so I don't know where necessarily he would go in Italy. Um, I don't think he would, you know, go to Palermo instead of yeah. instead of Sassuolo. But I could see, you know, him going to like a, a Villa Real or an Espanol or something like that. I'm losing my hair, so Spalletti's going to be a hero of mine for the rest of my life. <laughs> so no, he's going to be there for a while. <laughs> All right, what else we got in this game, guys? Oh, uh, shout-out to uh, Gigi Donorama. Donorama, Donorama. Um, well, his, his birthday cake looked like a diorama. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so he, he turned 18, which means he can legally drink in Australia and the rest of the world that is not called the United States of America. <laughs> yeah, can you believe that? Donnarumma's only 18 years yeah, old. Unbelievable. You know what that means? It means that if he has the same length of career as uh, Buffon... I will be in my 50s when he retires. It's insane. Absolutely insane. But good for him and got to be exciting for all the Milanisti out there. Uh, uh, you got a hot shot uh, goalkeeper at 18 years old there. All right, guys. So that finishes off that game. We've got Milan in seventh place with 47 points. And we've got Sassuolo down there in 13th with 30 points. Not near the danger zone. So I don't think they're going to be making any pulls on Di Francesco, but we'll see. On to the next game, we got Fiorentina and Torino. All right, guys, up next, we got Fiorentina and Torino. This one finishes 2-2. Fiorentina blow its second two-goal lead in as many weeks. Look, I thought I was seeing double, because last week, Fiorentina came out, scored two goals against the Germans, Gladbach, and then end up losing 3-2. Same thing this game. Come out, early two-goal lead, looking fine, and then I don't know what... Paolo mentions at halftime he must have like told him a scary story or something <laughs> just like sucked all the morale out of the team and then they came out I, I think he turned and said hey guys 
That's Wani Turbe. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I mean, Torino were all over him in the second half. And uh, Bellotti gets one. He then gets a penalty. He misses it. And so you think, all right, all right. Like, you could palpably sense the Fiorentina fans getting more nervous as the match went on. Because it was just that sense of disbelief. You know when the whole crowd groans at the same time when, like, a player loses the ball or whatever? It's just... They're not playing with any sense of joy or positivity. It's just like, when is the next bad thing happening? Oh, and I know the feeling. Yeah. Well, <laughs> turns out the next bad thing happens in like the 85th minute when... Who who would you know? But Belotti gets in again and scores the equalizer. So Belotti finally rises to be tied this late in the season with Iguain and Jacko, 19 goals apiece. Guys, right now, you're picking a player next week. Which one are you taking first? Belotti. Iguain. Checo. All right. <laughs> all right. The Capo Cananieri, all three. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Belotti, to me, just he just looks like like he always belongs in a tuxedo or something and just he's just got that gangster, like, Rico Suave thing going on. So sur- surprised that he missed a, uh, a PK here. But we were saying last week with Checo missing one, too, that just... Hey, maybe Capo Cananieri candidates. Maybe you shouldn't be taking PKs. Just, just play the game. Iguain, save yours for the next, the second leg of the of the Juventus Roma game. Yep. But guys, you know we talked about it a lot this year, uh, Chris, and it's one of your favorite topics. Susa, they get knocked out of Europe. Yeah. On just a disaster of a game, um, and uh, after winning the the uh, first leg 1-0 on a Bernadeschi screamer blow a two goal lead and then Torino who've been flailing you know other teams have been I mean Roma dispatched Torino like it was no problem Belotti was no big issue for them he just takes over this game Susa I mean you think he's going to see the end of the season I think he will because they would have fired him already. Yeah, exactly. they, they just don't have a good replacement. Um, I, I've been terribly disappointed with Fiorentina this year. Yeah, it, look, I know there's expectations when you got players like like Ilicic and uh, Bernadeschi, and they just Cows. haven't. Yeah, they haven't fired. Like mm-hmm. they, they aren't where they need to be. I mean, I know Sapanara's come in and they, they, he's been good for them, but. But I mean, how does Pescara get Zeman? I mean, I know he's got like ties because he coached there before. But I mean, how Fiorentina? They have a good team, man. They're yeah, just they poorly do. coached. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't know how you can't find somebody to go. Hey, at least at the midway point of the season, go. Hey, this team is good enough to make it to Europe. Now it's almost impossible. I mean, they're after after this result, I find it really hard they're going to get into Europe anymore. I mean, they just yeah. I I, I think. I think I gotta agree with you. I think he stays till the end of the season because now it's it's too much, and no no coaches want to come in and stay in their reputation at this point, not being able to turn this around, get some new blood, hope and pray that Bernadeschi is still there next year. <laughs> All right, so we got Fiorentina there in eighth place with forty one points, and Torino right behind them with thirty six points in ninth. Rolling on, guys. More of the middle of the pack. Up next is Bologna and Genoa. 1-1, 16th place Genoa finally gave their protesting fans something to smile about, earning a last gas draw at Bologna. 
Hey, Sam, I'm really glad that uh, the first time you decided to be a guest panelist on Curve America, you got Bologna versus Genoa. <laughs> Great game. Yeah, look, guys. Uh, Actually, it was a really good game. <laughs> well, it, it depends what minutes of the game you watched. If you suffered from minute one to minute 90, I would hum- humbly disagree with you, Tad. Uh, <laughs> Most of the game. <laughs> yeah. Look, both did their best to lose. Um, it, they're, they're just struggling for form. Uh, Bologna in particular, they just look spooked. I mean, coming out in fluorescent yellow uniforms. I was like, who, who are you? It's Chris's minions. <laughs> minions out on patrol in Syria. Yeah. Well, fortunately for them, Federico Viviani opened the scoring with a Bolognese fantastic free kick that curled with the grace of a boomerang before Uh-oh. finding Oh, it. we've got uh, our first Aussie did reference. It, did it hit a crocodile? <laughs> Sensing a possible victory, Bologna did what Bologna do best, and that is self-sabotage. It was our old favourite, Vasilidis Torresidis, who received a straight red card for a ridiculous tackle on Simeone, who was clear through on goal in the 74th minute. Now, from then on, the match was pretty much Genoa hammering the Bolognese goal, and would you believe they found an equaliser in the 94th minute when the substitute Olivia Nitschum unleashed a goal of the week contender from outside the box to once again leave Roberto Donadoni shaking his head in utter disbelief. Two things I gotta say about that. One, absolute amazing goal by Nitschum. And two, clearly that's not Marco over there because Marco would not call him Genoa. Genoa. <laughs> We're all good with the yeah, accents. Yeah, yeah. No, F- well, funny story. Funny well, story. Welcome to Genoa. the club. <laughs> funny story that that part of Italy, um, my my cousins over there, they holiday in Genoa. All right, yeah. or Genoa. So you you are a little bit Italian too. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, oh, I got more family. More of the story comes back. Yeah. All right, all right. Uh, so yeah, there we go. Not an entirely exciting game, but uh, we got any extras here, guys? Yeah. Uh, I would say the goal scorer, Nitschem, he is a dead ringer for Dribble Cisse and has possibly <laughs> the worst goatee in Serie A. It's like, it's like a sort of semi-dyed just on the tips. Not quite like properly dyed like you see like Paul Pogba's hair or whatever. Right. It's just the dirty little, I don't know. Just an effort. Yeah. An effort yeah, to dye. It's like his little sister like painted it while he was A disgrace or... to facial hair everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so he came on the field on the 92nd minute and scored the, the equaliser in the 94th. So, uh, yeah, superb coaching. Prophetic coaching. All right. So let's go to the table, guys. We've got Genoa, Genoa, whatever. Uh, they're 16th place, right behind Bologna. Um, Genoa's got 26 points. Bologna's got 28. And believe it or not, guys, they are not a threat of the danger zone. And, and that's that's a real problem. Like that's why games like this are yeah. turning into such trash. Because, yeah. quite frankly, it doesn't matter if they lose their next three. Because yeah. you know, yeah, what? Like Paloma's not going to lose. I'm not going to win the next three, so... Yep. The only way, honestly, and we're, we're about to get to the danger zone, but... Oh! The, oh! The Chris! One, Chris went as close, if, close as he's ever gone. If, if Marco's <laughs> not here, I got to cover for it. But yeah, I mean, unless uh, Pescara here with their new uh, uh, new coach, man, I don't see this getting interesting, but I'm really hoping for it. So guys, let's, uh, let's jump into it. The danger zone. The danger zone! Little Richard is my hero, spirit animal. 
Spirit, Sam, you want to uh, give No, I'm not playing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> First game we got is Palermo and Sampdoria. This one finished 1-1. Il Mister, Diego Lopez, manages to not get fired in the closing game of the reign of Zamparini. Which is basically the shock of this game. You would <laughs> fi- if, if I were Zamparini, I'd be like, you're fired. Yeah. Right before the game, coach the game myself. Yeah. <laughs> and then threaten to eat everybody's, everybody's palais before we go on there. Yeah, I mean... All of Palermo was not at the stadium for this game. <laughs> uh, a few, I mean, a few unlucky tourists were told that the stadium was actually where they could go uh, to an Oscars viewing party in English, hosted by a '90s action star and current lawman Steven Seagal, but quickly realized they had been duped and the doors of the stadium were now locked behind them. <laughs> One of these people appears to have been the referee Daniele Donato who misses an obvious handball in the box very early on by Sampdoria's Skriniar? Skriniar. Skriniar? We'll go with that. Skriniar! I mean, that's, it's tough to suss it out from the from the Italian announcers. How about Aussie rules? What do we got? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> nailed it. Okay, nailed it. Yeah, so Donato looks to make up for it shortly after when he calls a foul on Sam's Berezinski? who grazes Palermo's Belog, who must be pointed out that his first name is Norbert. Norbay or Norbert? Norbert. <laughs> Norbert is a 22-year-old Hungarian forward who is possibly starving... Sorry. Norbert is a 22-year-old Hungarian forward who is probably starving for a patented Curve America nickname. But sorry, dear Norbert. Norbert you are, and Norbert you always will be. <laughs> Chris, do you think Norbert is a big name in Hungary? Uh, it's got to be like John Smith over there. Yeah, there, there, there's uh, also my father's name. I'm Nor I'm Norbert the third, actually. Tad, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Roma have a Norbert? Isn't Gyomba? You know oh, that yeah. guy that broke his toe? Yeah. What What is his first? Wasn't he name? Norbert? Was he not Norbert? I'm well, going to Google you, that. I'm going to Google you, that right now. Ask the magic machine. Yeah, Anyways. Nestorovsky does what Nestorovsky does. He blasts home the PK, and we got a Palermo lead, ladies and gentlemen. Palermo is up 1-0 at home. But the halftime, you know, Marco Giampaolo probably, you know, his speech probably consisted of him walking up to every single player and just saying, <laughs> really? <laughs> really? We're going to lose to Palermo? Because his team comes up pretty fired up in the second half, and he does a great thing by subbing on the babyface killer, Muriel, in the 53rd minute, and now we have the attack that Sampdoria should be doing all the time. Quags, Razorman Schick, and babyface killer Muriel. And it all culminates with a beauty of a pass from Schick to Muriel, who slots it through to Quags, who slops it back, slots it back post, in the 92nd minute, and Samp saves a point. How about it? So there we go, 1-1. One, one. Get- if, if you are the team in pink, I mean, if there is ever a moment to truly let your tears flow, it's got to be this. <laughs> I mean, 91st the- minute equalizer. Palermo's jerseys look like look like you know they they came from like a rec league cardboard box like they're not even actually theirs like they got to return them to the box at the end of the game to give to another I guess with Zamperini the way he goes through people but speaking of Zamperini that's right this is a big story this game he steps down yep and he's reportedly selling the team to an Anglo American group maybe an Australian Anglo American American group um, 
So it's now the time, Chris? I think so. I think it's the time for all the Curve Americans out there. We're going to just pre-announce we're part of this ownership group. <laughs> yes, yes. Marco, unfortunately, you went to St. Louis and uh, <laughs> You're out. Sam came in with uh, yeah. 57 cents and, uh, and a can of, uh, of SpaghettiOs. And he is now part of the ownership group of Palermo. Yeah, look, we all we all knew Marco wouldn't agree to having a permanent presence in Sicily anyway. That's Whereas, right. you know, like if, if it's going to be a hedge fund from anywhere, it has to be from America. If you're talking shady dealings that originated or involved Sicily, it has to be the east coast of America and where my man Chris is from. That's right. The motherland. Hello, all the Kanaka TV listeners out there. But yeah. the, the reign of terror in Palermo is over. 44 different managers in his tenure <laughs> and 10 since January of last year. Yeah. That's only 2002 as well. He's only been owner since 2002. So, like, you know, that's... What, if, that, if that doesn't reek of stability, I don't know what does. <laughs> but he is also responsible for bringing Pastore... Cavani and Dybala to the Serie A. And I will counter that with he was responsible with selling those players. Guys, full strength Palermo. Let's break this down. Dybala, Cavani, Pastore, Josip Ilicic. I mean, that's the building blocks for a serious Bazaar, contender yeah. there. Yeah, Bazali at the back. Sirigu, the goalkeeper. Like, these are all good players. What went down in Palermo. Now, is this just the price of doing business in Serie A? Like, the, you have to sell your best players every season? I mean, surely it's not sustainable. You can't keep uncovering magic every year. You've got to hold on to someone. Yes. Yeah, so that being said, guys, what, all joking aside, he's had great players, he's sold great players, he talks about eating testicles about every other week, He's fired and and rehired the same guy 100 times, 44 managers since 2002. What is Zamperini's Palermo legacy? I think 44 managers. That's I mean, what else can you say about it? Uh, that's that's just an embarrassing number to have. Yeah, I, I can tell you he's dial a quote in Italy. Um, whenever they want something outrageous for the newspapers, uh, yeah, Zamperini always delivers. And uh, his parting shot, I believe, was that um, for the last two years, all he has received for his love of Palermo is insults. Yeah, and he refuses to say goodbye. Mm. Fire up the violins for Zamperini. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, for me, his legacy, like we, we could talk about his overall legacy, whatever. But for me, the dialogue quote stuff. Yeah. How many times I read a quote about him threatening to eat somebody's genitals <laughs> is just, it's if for a 75-year-old man. I believe him. Or even a spring him. chicken 65-year-old Zamperini. It's just too much for me. So, arrivederci, Zamperini. Ciao, right. ciao. And hello, Curve America and the American owners. We'd love to have you on the podcast. Whoever Just you are. A final point. I uh, did do some Googling uh, whilst you gentlemen were talking. And not only is Guillaume's first name Norbert, but he is the first result in Google when you type the words no. Guillaume. <laughs> <laughs> Good for Roma there. Happy to hear that. Barlog, you need to step up your game, man. <laughs> All right, guys. We all know where uh, Palermo is. They're in 18th place, first team in the danger zone with 15 points. And we've got Sampdoria up in 10th place with 35 points. 
Next up in the danger zone, guys, we got Cagliari and Crotone. This one finishes 2-1 in Cagliari's favor. Go figure. Poor Croutons. Uh, this one opens up. Uh, we they got were wearing their home Comic Sans yes, uniforms. Which usually that's a, a good sign. But uh, we got Stoyan open up for the Crouton Nation uh, with a one nothing lead. But Joe Pedro re- retaliates, guys. What would you think so far? Where there's life, there's hope, Chris. That's right. But uh, yeah, I think... Uh, I think Crotone have spent up all that hope, and uh, sure enough, uh, Tad's man Marco Borriolo had something to say. He scored in the 69th minute. You guys got all seductive and quiet on me here. It's just the croutons, guys. I know they're going to lose. I understand. My pants just blew off my body. <laughs> yes, Mark, uh, Borriolo managed to emerge from a pile of naked, writhing women <laughs> to score in the 69th minute. Later's Crotone. That's all we got to say about this one. La Vida del Bomber. Yep. But, but Crotone, uh, actually, they committed to Nicola for the rest of the year. So uh, that worked out really well for Massimo Odo. And not for Claudio Ranieri. He's not going to have the, the joy of coaching Crouton Nation out of the danger zone. Too bad. Not much to say on this one, guys. Still cheering for the Croutons to make this uh, a race and, and catching Empoli. But not much to say this week, unfortunately. All right, guys, let's go to the last game of Week 25. We've got Kievo and Pescara. This one finishes 2-0. Zemanlandia came crashing back to earth up in Verona as the Flying Donkeys kicked the Delfini back to reality. God, that's just such got an amazing, amazing visual to it. Yep. Flying Donkeys kicking a dolphin. Yep. <laughs> Only in the Serie A. Yeah, you never thought it would be the Flying Dolphy that kicked them. Dolphy. Forza Delfini. <laughs> The Flying Dolphy, are the, that's going to be my next intramural soccer team. Yeah. <laughs> the best thing I can say about watching ZNX Zeman's teams play football is that it's never boring. So imagine my complete and utter disgust when I flicked on this match. Piscata simply offered nothing in attack, no complete shadow of the side that scored those five goals against Jan Noah. There you go, Marco. Hey. Um, Kievo hit the lead in the 12th minute following a Volta Birsa curling effort from the edge of the area and then sealed the result halfway through the second half when Lucas Castro tapped in after the ball spilled to him following a save by the Biscara keeper who has a cool name, Tad. Pizzari. You know, th- that one though uh, uh, reminded me of the Mighty Ducks when, uh, that, when the Iceland guy quack quacks him and knocks him in the goal. Castro was all alone. I think he just soul-kissed Pizzati before he knocked it in. Yeah, it, it was kind of strange. I mean, like, what you get from ZNX Zeman teams is basically kamikaze rush towards the offense. They just, they they load, they front load the field. But this match, it I don't know, it's like he didn't tell them which goal was their goal or something. I, I don't know. It just, it it was a completely different team than what went out and destroyed Genoa. I think it's just, they're just not that good. They can't, they can't, you know, consistently do that. Because Chetty had a couple of howlers this game where he got yeah. balls lobbed over to him. And he should have, if he had, you know, the correct amount of skill, he could have put the ball. I know Marco last week was like, dude, Pescara. It was going on and on and on about all the young Italian talent there. Oh, uh, hopefully you don't listen to this episode, Marco, because we're, we're, we're talking bad about you now. But no, I mean... This is just not a very good team. There's no way that they're going to be able to follow up a, a 5-0, um, that, that type of performance. Now, 2-0 to Kievo? Uh, yeah. 
Well, the start of the year, Kiev were looking pretty hot. Yeah, Kiev. so yeah, I was hot on them. Yeah, I got a lot of flack for that. Yeah, hang the DJ out <laughs> hang there. The DJ, this about every week about that. <laughs> But yeah, it's safe to say Flying Donkeys are back where they belong in mid-table mediocrity. But you can bet your bottom dollar Zeman will have the Pescada boys running laps this weekend with sandbags on their backs. All right. Serie B. Serie B. That's right. That's right. I still think it's it, there's a chance here uh, for a four-team four uh, four race. We'll see. All right, guys. Well done. Well done, Sam. You finished a week 25 for us. Thank you for... Filling in for Marco. Anytime, mate. All I didn't right. understand a word he said. <laughs> yeah, you're going you're gonna to give me like subtitles, right? <laughs> Australian is hard. All right, let's go to our awards for week 25, starting with the goals of the week. Why don't we start off with Sam, our guest podcaster. Who is your goal of the week? Look, I was tempted to give it to New Charm because, you know, 94th minute equalizer. Um, he hit it clean as a whistle, but... The fact is, we all know what we saw with Raja Nangalan. Um, that second strike to run it the entire field and then, yeah, put it past Handanovic, one of the better keepers in Serie A, who didn't even have time to raise his hand. I mean, that is what legends are made of. That's, uh, yeah, goal of the week, goal of the month. All right. Tad? You know, I know we're supposed to pick different goals, but Ninja's second. I mean, he just absolutely destroyed it. And it wasn't off a rebound or a volley or anything like that where you could say that the momentum was created from someone else. It's him putting it on his own right foot and absolutely just destroying it through the back of the net. I, uh, it's a consensus here. Just you know, We're clearly all Romanisti. But uh, Nangolan, I'm going to go with the first one because that was pure fluid motion. Oh. And the controversy of Chris Ross. <laughs> yeah, that was just a fantastic goal of just the build-up and the curve of the ball. Well done, Nangolin. No doubt about it. You win week 25. Well done. Let's go, guys, to the other side of the field and your saves of the week. You know, I got to go uh, Barisha on Mertens. Mertens had one of his patented cuts through the middle Jukes a couple people, puts it right a low, a low-lining shot. Barisha gets his hand on the ball. Probably the best game he's ever had as a professional. Um, so I'm going to give him his save of the week. I'm going to give it to Donnarumma because he's 18 years old and he's playing in Serie A. Well done. He's legal, Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's got a crazy birthday cake. I'm going to do something a little bit controversial. I'm going to choose Pepe Reina, not in the game on the weekend, but the game that finished tonight. He did a miraculous double save, first from a Manzukish header, and then Licksteiner's follow-up. He's actually stopped with his foot right in the corner of the near post. It's just class. All right. Yeah, we got some Copa Italia action there. Perfect segue. Perfect segue is right. We are recording on Tuesday night, so we already know the first result. Um we can kick this to Sam, taking over for Marco here. He's going to lead us about Copa Italia. Yeah, yes, Sam. All right, guys. Well, uh, Napoli are in complete free fall. Uh, coming into this week, this was the most, most important part of their season. They got an early goal away to Real Madrid, and then they folded, losing 3-1. Guess what happened here? Same thing. First half goal. Napoli go into the break, leading 1-0. Calajon. <laughs> Tad's favorite word. Gets onto the score sheet. And Juventus are looking a little shaky. 
But then Allegri makes some substitutions, out come the old lady, and wouldn't you know it, 46th minute, Dybala feels a slight breeze nudge his fifth metatarsal on his foot, and down he goes, bam, penalty, slots it, 1-1. He must have been thinking of Riri. Yeah, out there with... uh, Knocked over. Yeah. And then, would you believe, the guy that I just gave... The, uh, the compliment to earlier, Pepe Reina comes out swiping a corner. He should have just stayed home for. The ball completely misses his fist. It drops down loose. And who is there but Higuain, who then slots a dodgy-looking volley from a, a really narrow angle that just makes it over the line before Bonucci can like steal his glory. To put Juve in front... But that wasn't all. See, because there's uh, home and away legs of this, Napoli still had a chance at 2-1. They still had a shot because they had that away goal. But then 10 minutes later, the ball's down the other end. Napoli in a good attacking position. There's contact with the defender. Napoli player goes down. Referee waves play on. Ball goes right down the other end. Dybala gets the ball, squares it to Quadrado. Pepe Reina rushes out, dives for it. Gets a hand on the football. Quadrado falls to the ground like he has been harpooned and does about a three and a half somersault. Referee points to the spot. That's pretty much, I call that a quadrado, actually, that type of dive. <laughs> yep. Look, i got to confess, when I watched it in real time, I was like, oh yeah, that's a penalty. But Pepe Reina clearly got his hand to the ball first. It, yeah, um... Player does make contact with the player, but he wins the initial challenge. And for me, yeah, that should be a no call. Whereas the Napoli one earlier, I I think they had a legitimate gripe. They they and sure enough, like uh, they're uh, checking out some of the headlines, the player interviews, and the coach interview after the game. You know, they've been cr- crying bloody murder over this. But uh, yeah, what do you guys reckon? Is there a fix? Well, if you ask Inter. From the la- from when they played uh, Juventus in the the Derby d'Italia, the fix is on. I mean, that was. It always seems to be with Juventus the most crucial time that they need something. It always turns out for their favor, and it's usually some sort of penalty involved, which ends up them scoring on a free kick or on a penalty. And I think that Nangulan was alluding to that early uh, last week when he was saying at Calgary that it always seemed to have happened to him. So, yeah, when there's smoke, there's fire sometimes. <laughs> we'll see. I'm, I'm uh, excited here. So we're in Copa Italia. This is March Madness. We got the final four right now. We've got Juve and Napoli. Uh, at the time of recording, we got Roma and OTFR rounding out the other top uh, game. And uh, this is the first leg. So... Juve takes the first one against uh, Napoli, 3-1 today. They're going to play again for moving on to the Coppa Italia final. And then tomorrow we got Roman OTFR in their first leg, an extra derby game. Mark my words, Jacob Perotti is going to have a big game this game. <laughs> All right. You I'm- know, uh, this will be the first match where the barriers in the Curva Sud and the Curva Nord have been removed. Yes. So now I, I don't know... If the ultras are going back, perhaps our listeners will because they're actually listening to this after the match has been played. But yeah, interesting to know that there's been forward progress. Hopefully, hashtag Roma Wedding Derby will be a lively atmosphere for this. Hopefully, hopefully. Make culture fun again. That's Mm. right. I like that. 
Look, All right, look, guys. Look at, look at him quoting Bryce Harper. Yeah. Uh, He's a DC guy. In DC, DC guy. Yeah. Yep. All right, guys. So that's it. We got March Madness happening here in the States and Copa Italia, their version of March Madness happening over in Il Bel Paese. So there's the first legs. Looking forward to the next couple legs coming up. And all right, guys, that'll do it for week 26 in the books. Thank you again, Sam. Until next time. Thank you, Sam. You're very we welcome. Say. Arriva Derche. Ciao. Good day, mate. <laughs>